Second episode of Down the Slope podcast. I'm your host, June. Tonight, we are again joined by our Papa Gogic fan, Harry McArthur. How are we doing? I'm all right, Chief. How are you doing? I'm not bad, mate. Thanks. And our ball playing centre half, Greg. How are you doing? All good, boss. And on this week's episode, we'll be reviewing the 0 0 draw at home in Motherwell, previewing this weekend's game away at St Johnston, along with St Johnston fans' point of view from Greg Browning. And we will also have some hips today to go over and this week's high beat of the week to discuss and sort. So, straight into it. Motherwell at home, Harry, what were your thoughts? Well, being honest, it's kind of difficult not to be disappointed with that performance just because, as we were saying last week, when you win all three of your first games, it's difficult not to think of all the positives, even though the negatives were there. Um, we had a moment of magic last week against Dundee United when Deutsch took the one clear chance we had, and we had that opportunity against Motherwell. But obviously, Boyle, it was a great save from the goalkeeper, they ended up denying him. Uh, so yeah, overall performance, it was just really flat compared to the previous weeks. It didn't look like they had the fight there. Um, there were some defenders, I thought Hanlon and McGinn looked really good. I thought Gogic, there was times he could have threw himself in a bit harder, but I thought he had a solid game. But apart from that, you're kind of wanting more from your players. I thought that Porteous, even though we kept a clean sheet, Porteous just looked a bit hectic on the ball. He seemed a bit nervous. But yeah, the strikers, just they, when we put Nisbet out wide, the whole attack just fell apart for me. Yeah, I mean, I thought we started the game pretty slowly and then grew into it after the disallowed goal and started uh, end of the first half, finished well. Had really four great chances, I would say. Um, Deutsch had a good chance for the corner that I think he probably should have done better with. Nisbet with his header and then you had the two chances back-to-back. Boyle really has to score going one-on-one and then right after Nisbet was probably unlucky that the defender got onto it. But again, I don't probably would have been safe comfortably. I don't think he caught it that well. On the ball, we were terrible. Like you said, Portress, any time he stepped up with the ball, lost it, really. Looked really shaky. Hanlon just dinked it up to the strikers every time. Dodging this, but never had anything to work with. And it was sort of food and drink for uh, Declan Gallagher at the back. Only 199 passes completed, Sky said, at the end of the game. That was pretty grim from a Hibs point of view, especially at home. And no shots on target in the second half. But... Again, the defence stood up well. Motherwell pretty much dominated the game and we still had the best chances. I don't think they had any clear chances. Obviously, they disallowed goal, but I was a mishit volley for the edge of the box. So other than that, I don't really recall them having... They did put one brilliant save from Marciano, though, to be fair. Yeah, that was a really good save from Marciano early on, but even still, half chance really cutting in for the edge of the box. I'd always like to back the goalkeeper in that situation, I would say. Um, Greg, what about yourself? I felt that... You know, obviously we can take positives from it. Um, obviously another clean sheet. Still not considered from open play, which is good. Lacking a wee bit creativity in the midfield, that wee bit cutting edge. In recent weeks, we've certainly been very clinical. There was nothing like that at the weekend. Um, I just I just felt that like it was one of those performances that was quite lethargic and just nothing really that we could have we could have done going forward we really made a difference when this but went out wide. I felt like totally nullified what we're trying to do and there was no real attacking threat after that. Yeah, I think so we've already touched on it now, but got moved out wide in the second half. What did we make of Jack Rossi's subs? Now the subs that he made I was happy with. The players that came on the park, I thought Halberg and Allen was the right decision for Newell 
and Horgan, but totally threw me when he made the changes. I was I was sitting trying to figure out what formation we were because Boyle was still out on the left and it looked like we shifted sort of four two three one, four three three, Nisbet on the right, Boyle on the left. And for me that's two of your best players out of position. Don't know what you guys thought about the tactics that Ross implemented, but for me, flat four four two in the first half, you were up against a free Motherwell. And to be honest, Motherwell have probably three of the best centre midfielders outside the old firm and O'Hara Alan Campbell and David Turnbull, Turnbull and Campbell especially, and I felt David Turnbull really ran the show. And to then change it and sort of go 4-2-3-1, yeah, you sort of matched up in the middle, which I think we had to do, but you lost the effectiveness of Boyle, putting him on the wrong side, and Nisbet, he's not a winger, as far as I'm concerned. Don't know what you guys thought about that. The main thing I picked up on is last week I was going on about how I don't understand how Halberg's not been getting any game time just to show what he can actually do. But he literally looked like he'd, he'd picked a random guy off the street and was like, well, you fight for the shirt. Aye, aye, go and get a game then. He looked like he was throwing himself about the place, but every time he got the ball, he just put it out the pitch. It is one of the worst, like, 15 minutes of a player I've seen at Easter Road in a very long time. He just looked so lost and useless. Because, like, at times last season, even in games we were getting battered, like the Hearts game we got beat 3-1 and the Celtic game we got beat 5-2, he was scoring the goal. So he was obviously up for playing for the badge in that. But... Technically, it was just all over the place. I didn't understand what was going on. And as you said, the formation, I still to this moment have no idea what we were doing as soon as we made the subs. Like, everybody on the pitch just looked a bit lost. Yeah, obviously going into this season, Greg, you were quite a big Melker Halberg fan and you were also a big Slavka fan, whereas for me, I've not either of the biggest fans, I think. Halberg has the makings of Slavka Mark II. We'll probably come in, maybe start a game, look all right and drift out. What did you make his performance at the weekend? But the individual performance was was pretty poor, to be honest. Um, there was nothing really there that would suggest that he would start anytime soon. You know, he's why not go in and try and you know stamp a bit of authority on the on the jersey? But he just felt like he just wasn't really up for it. You know, he was trying things that just were never going to come off instead of doing the simple things well. I think if we'd done the simple things well, we would have had a bit more joy in the midfield, but. There's absolutely no point coming on and you know mm-hmm. singing balls out the out the park. It's pointless. One thing that when I was sort of having a look about online and stuff after the game, and I actually was stumbling across last season's sort of booking statistics, and considering Halberg hardly kicked a ball after Jack Ross came in, he still got six bookings last season. Mm-hmm. Now that's bef- you're talking. That's pretty much all under Hecky. So you're talking. He's pretty much picked up six bookings before what November time, really maybe one or two since, but like he hardly kicked a ball under Ross. Alex Gogic at Hamilton, this hard-hitting midfielder, got five in all last season. For me, Halbert runs a bit, a bit like a headless chicken. Doesn't he really offer much in the tackle? I don't think he's a good tackler, hence the six bookends. I don't think he's great on the ball. He doesn't stamp his authority on games. He's not a Scott Allen. He's not a Gogic. And, I mean, everyone seems to hate Stevie Mallon, but Stevie Mallon can hit a good ball, play a good pass, score a goal, like, I don't see what, what Halberg brings to the team when he's in it, and which is disappointing because when he first came in last year, definitely had high hopes, and I also thought, even in his first couple of games, I thought he looked decent, but under Jack Ross, he's not, one, he's hardly featured, and when he has, he's not looked good at all. I think his only start under Ross was Hamilton at home last season when him and Slavka both got hooked at halftime. I just, I just don't see a place for him in this team going forward, and for me, again, I thought Joe Newell was slack. 
But the biggest thing for me, Hibs aren't a two team, two centre mid team. I don't think any of the midfielders are best suited to playing in a two. I don't think Gogic, I, I, I think he's been great since he came in, but I don't think he's good enough on the ball to be able to play as one in a two. He's okay on the ball, but he's he by his own admission in his first interview, his job's to get the ball and give it to the better players. And Joe Newell, again, I think it's so obvious that his position is best on the left of a three. Halberg, we've discussed, and Stevie Mallon, again, one, he's probably not fully fit yet after hardly kicking a ball. Again, I don't think he's best in a two. He'd probably be best in a three as well. With like a Gogic who's going to sit, and Allen that's going to do the attacking work, and Mallon can sort of link it. I just, I just, I don't see the four-four-two working for us going forward, especially against teams outside the what Hibs and Celtic really. Um, nobody else in the league really goes with two up front, so you're always going to be operating two v three in the middle of the park, and that's that's where we lost to get well, lost control of the game at the weekend. Obviously, we did get the point, and to be a little bit more positive, again, the defence stood up really well. Paul McGinn, Paul Hanlon, Josh Doig, I thought they were superb. But Hanlon made no great on the ball, but from pure defensive point of view, I thought they were excellent. Motherwell did have all the ball, like we mentioned, no clear-cut chances created, so it's not all doom and gloom. 10 points at 12, joint top of the league. I think our result, you can look at it two ways. We're dangerous dropping points on Sunday, maybe makes our result look a bit better because we're still joint top. Or is it a missed opportunity to actually put two points clear at the top of the table? We're not, we're not going to win the league unless, barring a miracle, but we had the chance to go two points clear. Missed opportunity or a solid point at home, what we're we saying? As I said before the game, I really didn't want to lose it. I think that if we'd lost it, we'd all, like the three of us sitting here just now, would be raging still because you've had those three games in which you've got nine points played relatively well in them. I think wanted to win in the three games. To play like that, the fact they've managed to hold on to a point, I think, is good. But with the chances in the game, I said at halftime on Twitter, like at halftime, if Hibs were ahead, with the chances created, I don't think that would have been harsh on Motherwell, just because they had a lot of like territory possession, but they didn't have any actual like solid substance, substance sorry, to back it up. Whereas we didn't create many chances, but the chances we did create were very good. So I kind of see it from both ways. But at the end of the day, if you're playing badly and getting a point, you can't complain too badly, especially because Motherwell, apart from Rangers and Celtic, I would say are probably still the strongest side in the league. Well, I think that, you know, a point at home, maybe not what we wanted, but at the same time, you know, as another clean sheet. So it's something to build on. Um, I don't think we should be too, too hard on ourselves. I mean, you know, we are still, you know, joint top. I think it is definitely a missed opportunity. Um, obviously, not expecting to win the league this year, but is it like games at home we should be looking to win? Motherwell is a difficult game, but at the same time, definitely missed opportunity. Just thought we lacked that that clinical cutting edge that, that we had in recent weeks. Yeah, I think one final point for me. I think what Jack Ross said in his post match interview with Hibs TV definitely sort of calmed me down a wee bit. If we'd gone against Kilmarnock, then one or three games after it, we'd be sitting here going absolutely mental, saying we're the best team in the world. So I think a little bit of perspective is needed. We're not world beaters, but we're certainly not struggling. I think maybe one or two sign-ins, we're probably, and we're really going to be able to kick on and have a, what I hope is going to be a really good season. I don't see any reason why not. We've come up against a team that finished third last season. We've got a point. We are eight points in front of them already now. 
yeah, you're four games into the season, but that that's three games. You know what I mean? Like that's it's a lot of points at any part of the season to be able to pick up. You're comfortably ahead of Aberdeen, obviously with games in hand, but you definitely always want to have the points on the board. And Kilmarnock are struggling. Obviously, Dundee United and Ross County have had decent starts, but I don't think anyone would really expect them to be challenging for Europe come the end of the season. So I think we're in a really good position to kick on now and hopefully pick up the three points on Sunday afternoon. Now, moving into Sunday, we've got a little bit of a different perspective coming up here. Spoke with Greg Browning, who obviously runs his Twitter page. Uh, St Johnston fan and he was nice enough to join myself and give us a little bit of chat and a preview from a St Johnston's point of view sort of runs through what he expects to see this weekend and sort of what he makes at Hibs and he also touches on Dre Wright so it'll be nice to hear what he has to say Hi Greg, how are you doing? Yeah, good thanks, you okay? Yeah, I'm good mate, a good result for you at the weekend? It was uh, a bit unexpected after the hour mark I think uh, Kilmarnock were Decent the first half, start the second half. I think the red card for Kilmarnock certainly changed the dynamics of the match and obviously delighted to get three points and the first one of the season. So, yeah, really pleased. Yeah, what I've noticed of St Johnston, I don't know if you'd agree or not, um, first half fairly slow against Kilmarnock and Dundee United and then really came on to a game sort of second half of both the games, which is obviously maybe a good sign to see early in the season fitness levels are up and stuff. And obviously, I think you gave a pretty good account of yourself at Ibrox as well. So, um, you happy with the start to the season that you've made? So, I think after three games, to get four points from three away games as well is actually a really good start. I think preparation-wise, our season's been a bit disinterrupted, I would say. Obviously, the Aberdeen game was... um, postponed due to COVID-19 in Aberdeen squads but we also had two friendlies cancelled as well so we had a game against Aberdeen sorry against St Mirren cancelled right. and a game against Dungeonetti cancelled too so we didn't have a great deal of preparation in going to Ibrox and I kind of felt we'd probably struggle mm-hmm. and I think we did okay the first 20 minutes 25 minutes but I think they scored a free kick and that kind of ended the match really and they scored right on half time so 3-0 at Ibrox wasn't a bad result I don't think we're expected to get much there anyway. No. But I think off the back of that, to go to Kilmarnock, be 1-0 down and score two late goals, um, it was a lot of character. So, yeah, really pleased. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially on the pitch at Kilmarnock, it can be quite quite a hard place to go and get a point for it, points for anyone. So Celtic obviously dropped points there before. We obviously touched on the Aberdeen game uh, being cancelled. And obviously that's being played on Thursday night, which is obviously we're recording before then. But what do you, sort of looking forward to Sunday, what do you expect to see from St Johnston? What can, what can Hibs expect to come up against this weekend? So I think at the moment, Callum Davis is probably going to set the team out based on who we're playing against. So it could be a 3-5-2 and it probably will be a 3-5-2. I think we played 4-4-2 on Saturday. We've actually got quite a few boys out missing injured at the moment. So Stevie May's injured, um, Murray Davison's injured. Sandy Clark's injured, Chris Kane's injured. So I think it'll be probably a very similar team to the one that played against Kilmarnock. But I guess that depends on obviously how we get on against Aberdeen on uh, Thursday. And hopefully we don't pick up many injuries. But we've also got Michael O'Halloran up top with uh, Calm Henry. So I think for, for Michael O'Halloran, the season didn't start well at all. He was sent off in the first half at Tannadice. Now he's not known for his tackling abilities. So he was gung-ho in that first half, got sent off. And I think a few fans would probably question what it is he brings to the team. I would say last season, there's probably a bit of a 
disappointment for him, I would say, in terms of kind of appearances and goals. But his goal on Saturday against Kilmarnock was outstanding. The desire to get into the end of that three ball, uh, the back pass, sorry, and stick it away. So great. I'm really pleased for him, actually, confidence-wise for him as well. And Callum Henry, who's yet to score yet, has had two or three chances in each game he's played so far. I mean, obviously, midfield, you're obviously Liam Craig and Alan McCann in the middle. So, it'll be interesting to see how we are fitness-wise and who's still to come back into the team uh, in terms of right and left midfield. Yep, so obviously a few ex-Hibs players in there and Wotherspoon and Craig. And Dave Wotherspoon scored at the weekend, didn't he? And then obviously Craig scored in the first day of the season. So, we've got outside sort of looking in. It's been quite a solid start for St. Johnston and quite a lot of good experienced pros in there for some, like... Youngsters coming through, Ali McCann, I think has impressed everyone in Scottish football. Jason Kerr as well. Um, I think two players that Hibs fans would certainly love to have in our team, but I don't think they're ever going to be in our price range the way that they're going. Um, what what have you made of Hibs thus far? So, out of all the teams in the league, I probably know more about Hibs than I do any, any other side. Just based on the fact that I follow Hibs quite a lot from a betting perspective. So I followed them last season quite a lot and followed them this season. So in terms of last season, I think you'll agree, Hibs' biggest issue last season was they conceded far too many goals, yep. uh, especially at the start of the season. I think you drew with Ross County, Livingston, St Mirren and us all two old draws. So to, to ship two goals in each of those games at the start of the season was probably really disappointing. And I think as well, defending set pieces and defending corners, really weak. I think in the middle of the park as well last season, you really missed a, a ball-winning midfielder. And I think that was well-known. I think, obviously, Heckenbottom came in, got rid of Bartley, and got rid of Milligan as well. Yep. So I actually thought Milligan was decent. Uh, but you, you probably missed that last season. Uh, but fast forward to this season, though, um, and it couldn't be any, any different. Back-to-back clean sheets. Yep. Uh, something that didn't happen at all last season. I think last year, you only kept five clean sheets at your 30 games. Yep. Um, and obviously finished below St Johnston again in the league <laughs> you'll be used to that though <laughs> so in terms of this season obviously been really impressed I think the Kilmarnock game it was probably a bit of a downer that you considered that free kick right in half time yeah 2-0 going at half time probably took the wind at your sails a little bit I don't think you're in any danger of losing the game but to start the season off well 2-1 at home and you then go on to Ammonville uh, the Tony McElroy Stadium and absolutely battered them 4-1 so I think we spoke about Livingston's home form last season being terrific not many sides go there and win by that margin or win at all to be fair so that was another terrific result um, I guess United away though probably please Jack Ross the most to go there and win a really tough scabby 1-0 win clean sheet again um, and I guess on Saturday against Motherwell Probably the worst you've played this season so far. Very disappointing first half. I'd say that Motherwell probably edged it. But end of the day, four games in, 10 points, joint top, looking really good defensively. And an attack, I think you've got a lot of good options there. You've got Horgan, who I really like. Alan's not been playing, has he? He's been on the bench recently. Alan. Yeah, he's last, uh, not started since first game of the season. And you've got Boyle, obviously, and up front. And this bit started really well and Doyle's just kind of kicked off and we kind of finished the last half of last season so I think for the Hibs for me anyway in a really good place um, Saturday's game Sunday's game sorry it's really difficult to call I think the um, 
meet between the two sides are always pretty even. Now, had this game been at uh, Easter Road, <laughs> I would probably put about a thousand pounds on a score a late goal. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that. We mentioned that in the podcast last week. Um, with, we were in the preview for the Motherwell game talking about. Now, I think you maybe be better than me, but I think every game since we've been back up, um, you've scored in the eighty-seventh minute or later at Easter Road. Don't lie, I've had some terrific days out. At Easter Road. <laughs> it's probably my favourite away day. I've probably seen a score about six last-minute goals there over the last five or six years. It's, it's mental. In terms, really... records, in terms of the home record against um, Hibs, our home record against you boys is pretty poor. We've only won once in eight. Um, but Easter Road, though, I think you boys have only won twice out of eight. So yeah, the way seems to do well in this fixture. Yeah, we've not. I'm sure. Yeah, mentioned we mentioned this on the podcast last week. Since we've come back up, um, we haven't been beaten Perth, and you haven't been beat at Easter Road since we came back up. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think like the the sort of the wins at either side were from the season before we came down, and I think obviously I think we beat you in the cup as well. Um. The second season we were in the championship at Tynecastle, but yeah, as I always look at St Johnson as a hard place to go. I think any Hibs fan would say so, but I think, like you say, recently we have had a good record there. A lot of draws. I think there's been a lot of draws at Easter Road and at McDermott Park, but and very rarely, other than the game at McDermott last season, has it been more than one goal. Um, where do you feel that Hibs can probably get at St Johnston? Is it any area of the park that you would still like St Johnston to strengthen in? Or? I think we probably still look quite light on the bench. I think we lost quite a few players in the summertime. We brought a few boys in, but looking at the bench and having four or five kind of first team players out injured, I guess we're probably light in numbers in terms of right. the squad. Uh, probably still need to bring a couple of boys in, I would say. But we should still have a decent enough. Um, starting eleven on on Sunday, and hopefully we can get a good result on Thursday night against Aberdeen. And if yeah. we can do that on Thursday night against Aberdeen, then um, I'm confident we can get a result. I think yep. it'll be tough to win the match, but I think we can definitely get a draw. Looking back across the last nine games in Perth, both teams have scored in eight of the nine games. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised to see both sides score. Uh, calling it a winner, I think, will be difficult. I think Hibs mm-hmm. will be favourites, obviously. Uh, being joint top, I think they're eleven to eight to win the matchups. Um, it's difficult to call. I'm going to play. Hopefully, call a, a draw um, or potentially a, a, a home win. But I'll probably sit the fence and see it'll be a draw on Sunday. Okay, so obviously you're you're saying there that you may be a bit weak in numbers. So maybe with the game on Thursday night as well, maybe second half, Hibs fans would maybe hope that it might be able to kick on just for you guys, maybe a smaller squad, and obviously we should hopefully be fresher as well. Something else maybe to touch on, Dre Wright is obviously a player that you have a lot more knowledge on than the rest of the Hibs fans, despite him being a Hibs player now. What what would what do you see him bringing to the Hibs team? So I was probably quite vocal about Dre Wright joining Hibs in the fact that I felt it was a really good signing for Hibs. I think he was our best player when he first came to the club. But as you know, he kind of suffered a really horrific knee injury and was out for almost a full season, to be fair. He slowly came back into it towards the end of last season. And I would say from about Christmas time to March time, he was starting to look back to his best. He is super fit. And we're giving you 90 minutes of constant running, chasing up the line. Um, I, I don't think he's that much of a skillful player, to be fair. He's a okay. really hard worker. I think in terms of his energy levels, he'll try and create chances. Um, 
but he will give you 90 minutes um, in the tank every week. I think it's a great signing for you. Obviously, I believe he's now injured again. Yeah, I think there's I think there's talk that he might. I think he said at half time he should ho- he's hoping to be fit at least for the bench um, for the weekend. I think he said that so at half time. He was definitely a loss for us. A lot of St. Johnston fans would argue the fact that stats weren't great. He only scored one goal, only two assists. But I think if you look, look a little bit deeper, he, he offered a lot more than that. And he, we are definitely weakened um, with him leaving us. Uh, it isn't going to impact us too much because, to be fair, not many players leave us and we, we miss them. Players yeah. come and go a lot. But um, I don't think we'll miss them. But he, he will be a loss, if that makes sense, in the terms of if we could keep him, that would have been great. Uh, but I think he's a good signing for you boys and for you personally. Um, I'm pretty sure it'll be a good signing for you. Okay, cool. And obviously there's been one major change at St. Johnston. Tommy Wright's left after, what was that, eight, seven, eight years at St. Johnston? Yeah. yeah. How, has, has there been any clear differences in the first three games and how you're setting up or how you're looking to play? Pre-season, I'm sure, I, I think I was listening to something or watching something. Someone said that, Callum Davidson was wanting to play a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, obviously, he's were quite renowned for being fairly direct under Tommy Wright. Is that sort of... Because obviously, he's have a fairly similar squad. Is that still the case? Or? I think it's going to be... Depends on who we're playing and who we're playing them. So, I, I think Callum will have his own ideas. I think at the moment, it looks like it's going to be a 3-5-2. Okay. Um, we've got decent halves in McCart, um, Gordon and Kerr. So, they're all fit. I think he'll be keen to play the three of them. And we've got options on the on the left and the right, so I don't think he's going to make many changes, but he'll have his own subtle ways of kind of stamping yeah. his authority in the team. But I think in terms of continuity, he knows the club. He's obviously been there, played there, been assistant manager there. He's pretty much got a same squad as we had last season. There's no real turnover of players, so I think he'll come in. Good job so far. Four points on the board. Um, I think he's a the fans' choice as well. So. I think he's going to do a good job for us, I think. But in terms of his own way of playing, yeah, it may very well be that he plays 3-5-2 or kind of 3-4-3. But at the moment, it's definitely looking like a 3-5-2. Which is better, obviously, because in the past, we often played one up top on, yep. on their own. So Stevie May, when he first came back to the club, yeah, so I've, um, Stevie May had a bit of a sort of renaissance, sort of, maybe similar to what you were saying about Dre Wright, sort of Christmas time onwards last season, so I found some goal scoring for him again, didn't he? But you said he's he's going to be out at the weekend. Yeah, he's got an injury as well, so he, he might make the bench, but I think at the moment he's still injured, so I'd expect it to be Calm Henry and Michael Howell in um, the front two on, on Sunday. All right, OK. I think St Johnson will line up sort of 1-11 on Sunday. I think it's going to be the same team that probably finished on Saturday. Obviously, the difference we, on Saturday was we played 4-4-2 on Saturday. Um, Sean Rooney came in uh, to play his first game of the season in absence of McCart. But if McCart's fit, I'd expect us to play 3-5-2. So, likely to be Calm Henry and Michael Howland up top. And in midfield, definitely going to be Alan McCann and most likely Liam Craig. So, that poses the question about who else will be in the middle of that park. So probably going to be um, either Tanzer or, or Booth. And you've also got Witherspoon to come into the team as well. Okay. And Craig Conway's coming to the side as well. So we've got options in the middle of that park and in midfield. But I think at the moment, it's going to be a 3-5-2 probably. But again, it all depends on how we got on on Thursday night against Aberdeen. What about um, Hibbs on Sunday then? Obviously, outside looking in, 
lots of options. I noticed that Horgan started the game on Saturday. Will he start again? Is Alan still on the bench? Um, so we've been quite flexible in-game uh, this season so far. We did start off against Kilmarnock 3-5-2, um, and we changed formation a couple of times in that game. And then the three games since, we've been flat 4-4-2, um, which on Saturday really didn't work. Um, we were very much outnumbered in the middle of the park up against O'Hara, Turnbull and um, Alan Campbell. Gorgic and Newell sort of struggled. Newell's, yeah. been, Newell's been hooked quite early against um, Dundee United and um, Motherwell at the weekend. So I would like to see us revert back to 3-5-2. Um, no need to change the sort of defensive the names that are in there. It would still be the same. So we've been looking at Marciano and goals and then a back three of Hanlon, Portis and Paul McGinn with Josh Doig sort of left wing back and then moving Martin Boyle to right wing back. Uh, Gogic is like first name in the team sheet just now. And then doing three five two, you'd be looking at probably Scott Allen coming back in to sort of try and dictate the game. And then up top, you'd be looking at Christian Doig and Kevin Nisbet. So for me, the only place in the team that's probably up for debate would be that sort of second central midfielder. Um, and that's probably up between Newell and Melkor Halberg. Personally, I would still like to see Newell continue with the jersey. I think he is better on the, the sort of left of a three, along with yeah. Alan and Gogic. I don't think he really is the player for a two. If Gog- I think if we're ever going to play a two again, we need to sign a new central midfielder. I don't think They're Steven- not quite attacking. If you play a three-five-two and playing Horgan on the left, sorry, who, who, who would Horgan fit into that? Sorry. So I don't think Horgan will start. Um, yeah, he's he's started on the left wing the last three games, um, but Dundee United have taken off and against um, the well at the weekend. I think Horgan's a great option to have. Um, he could start in the ten, so maybe it's maybe there's. I would say there's a toss up between Horgan and Allen, and also Newell and Halberg, and that's the thing. Like you could have the exact same eleven, but they could line up four four two three five two. But I yeah. don't think, and at the weekend, Jack Ross actually changed to sort of four-two-three-one, four-three-three when we were chasing the game, or supposed to be trying to chase the game, and we seen Kevin Nisbet move out to the wing, and it didn't work at all. Um, so I definitely expect us to go with sort of three in the middle of the park, whether that be, and I think the only way we can do that is three-five-two, because I don't think Hibs are set up to play with one striker. Um, and I don't really think the fans would accept that. Obviously, there's no fans no. in the game, but um, it's something that I don't think many teams in the league set up with two strikers. And then that sort of means we have to play three-five-two or maybe a diamond in the middle. Otherwise, you're going to almost every week be faced with a three-v-two, which is definitely where we struggled yeah. against Motherwell. David Turnbull controlled the game. Um, so for me, I think we'll see a midfield three of Allen, Newell, and Gogic with. Josh Doig and Martin Boys are wing backs. The defence and the strikers sort of pit themselves. So it could be two teams setting up quite quite similarly. If you yeah, think. I think it'll be quite a close match. To be fair, I, I don't think there's going to be much in the game. And if anyone does win the game, it may just be by the one goal. I guess from my his point of view, the biggest plus point this season is defensively, and in midfield you look much much tighter. You've conceded yeah. two goals this season, but both those goals came from set pieces, a free yep. kick and a penalty. Yeah. So no one scored against you in open play in four matches. So if you compare that to this time last season, when you're shipping goals right, left, and centre, it's a it's a different world, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think what Scunner does last season, it's like what you said, we didn't have a holding midfielder at all, and it meant that I I think Paul Hanlon struggled. He's very clearly at the best on his left there three, 
but he's been absolutely yeah. superb for us this season as well. Something that I've noticed, Ryan Porches last season had a tendency to go really like sprinting 20 yards up the pitch to try and either maybe smash like a number 10 or something. And I think having Gogic sitting in front of him, he's not feeling like he needs to step up, meaning that the gap isn't left behind him. And then just defending balls into the box and stuff, especially against Kilmarnock and even Motherwell at the weekend, as much as Motherwell were battering us at points, they never really had any chances. And we still created the best chance. Obviously, they got the disallowed goal, but it was sort of just a volley for the edge of the box that was going straight yeah. down in the neck of Marciano before the deflection. Like Boyle still had the best chance of the game. Nisbet had two good chances. Yeah, I saw and that in the first half. So, he scored balls, didn't he? Yeah, so we look... Re- Really, really solid at the back, which is, like you say, it's, it's night and day for last season. Um, so, obviously, you do all your analyst work and um, you do what would be your tip? I know you said a draw, but if we had to push you for a for a bet or for a score prediction, what would what would you if, what would you put your money on this weekend? Um, it's a tough one because I, I guess this game's quite easy for me to leave alone. It's that, <laughs> it's that easy for me just to say, right, you know what, just leave it. Um, Hibs are eleven to eight, and given how they've started, um, hadn't we got a result on Saturday, I would have been over Hibs to win this okay. match, because that would have been us played three matches, only one point on the board, got Aberdeen on um, Thursday. Thursday night, and I guess it also depends how that match goes as well. Yep. So you're sitting firmly think, on the fence. Ah, uh, it's, it's really poor for me actually, but <laughs> I, I do think both teams will score. Okay. So that's probably not a bad place actually. You'll probably get about. 10 to 11 for that maybe maybe 4 to 5 at worst so that's my tip both teams to score thank you very much Greg um, good luck for the rest of the season after uh, after Sunday and hopefully we finish above you this season for the first time in a while yeah good luck cheers cheers Greg so thanks very much for, to Greg for that boys 3-5-2 for St Johnston should Hibs go in and match up 3-5-2 this weekend well I think the main problem everybody had last week especially in the first half was the fact that we were so overrun in the midfield so if we do go 4-4-2 again, then it will surely be the exact same issue. The only thing being, Motherwell, I think it's fair to say, especially as um, Greg was mentioning all the injury crisis that St. Johnston are going through, um, there's a lot less quality in the St. Johnston team. But I would like to see an extra man in the midfield or at least change it up a bit. I think if we go for the same start in 11 again, I highly doubt we get anything out of that game. Yeah, so personally, I think 3-5-2 or the diamond for me are the only two options that I really want to see Hibs playing regularly this season. I think we need to have at least three players in the middle of the park, and I think we need to have two players up front. It's the, they're the only two formations I can see us fitting our best players in. Jack Ross did play the diamond um, when he first came in. Last season, he had Boyle on the right-hand side of the diamond, but he still stayed, stayed really wide, and also it meant that Newell was playing on the left of a midfield as well instead of a little bit more centrally. So I think that did work, but Greg, yourself, you're a big 3-2 fan. Is that, that the direction you hope we go at the weekend? or? Yeah, absolutely. I think that 3-5-2 match them up. I think we've got the quality in the midfield to overrun them. I think Gogic can play in a two. It doesn't suit him. It's not his style. It doesn't suit you either as far as I'm concerned. So if we match them 3-5-2, I certainly think we'd be looking at a much better midfield from us. A midfield that will create more. And I think we'll get the three points of the game if we do play the, the five in midfield and the two up front, certainly. So, three in the middle, we've sort of got, what, five people to choose from. You've got Gogic, Newell, Malin, Allen and Halberg. 
Harry, what what would you like us to set up in that three? See if we hadn't if Halberg hadn't come on at the weekend and been as bad as he was, I would have wanted Halberg to start that game just to see what he's actually got and what he can bring to the table and stuff. Because I think it's the same as the reason you put three play, three defenders at the back is because you're not confident enough in playing two defenders at the back. And I think if you're playing three in midfield, it's a chance to actually show that you're confident enough. If you can play in a three in midfield really well, it means you can probably play quite well in a two. So that would have been a perfect opportunity to put him in. But with how bad he played at the weekend, I wouldn't really want to see him in. So I think Gogic has got to be at the base of it. And then I'd probably play Newell and Allen off him because you've got a left-footed player to go on the left and Allen's obviously right-footed. But an interesting thing that Stubbs used to do is he would play three in the middle and then um, he'd have Boyle on the right and then the three in the middle would have shots each of going to the left. Whoever was on the left side of the pitch would just kind of drift out slow. It was a really like an asymmetrical if you're playing football manager formation. So I don't know if something like that would potentially work with Allen and Newell taking shots each, rotating wide and stuff. But it's one of those things. And Jack Ross, I'm trying my best to stay confident in the tactics. I think he got it a bit wrong against Motherwell, but I'm keeping the faith in him. I think he's got it. I think he'll do good things this weekend. Yeah, I think the main things for me that I would like to see is definitely Scott Allen come back into the middle of the park. Now, I love Scott Allen as much as the next guy, but he isn't a guaranteed starter. Nobody at Hibs is good enough to be a guaranteed starter for me, maybe except Dodge. I think he's pretty much first name on the team sheet. But I think we need him. You can see that we're much better on the ball when he's there. Now, don't get me wrong, he gives the ball away a lot, but he's going for killer passes. But the confidence, he takes the ball in tight situations, he'll try and play things. And we do just look a lot better on the ball, whether that's because we can actively see the team trying things instead of just pitching it forward. He has to come back in. And again, I think I would like to see Newell probably retain his place in the team just because I do think that's his best position on the left in midfield, like a tight left. Whether that's in the diamond or 3-5-2, I think you can, Jack Ross likes flexibility, I think you can go through that because you can sort of play Boyle tight off the right, Alan, Newell, like the three of them can probably interchange and then you've still got Paul McGinn right back, Josh Dog left back. You know that on the left, even if you do have Newell in tight, you know that Dog's going to bomb up and down. And then Paul McGinn isn't as bomb, but you've got Boyle on that side. So it's good balance. And then it means if Doyle does go, Gogic slots in, everyone moves over one. It works for me, and I don't think we need to be that adventurous. In terms of, for me, I would start Malin if he's fit. I think he's the best out of them, other than, out, out, out of the three that you're sort of between, torn between, Newell, Malin, and Halberg. For me, I think Malin is the best of the three. He gets a hard time from every Hibs fan, but in his first season at Hibs, he was just as productive as Scott Allen was last season. Goals and assists, and uh, yeah, he scored against the Faroe Islands team and scored a couple at the start of the season. All goals count. Like, you know what I mean? Scott Allen scored goals in the Betfred Cup last season. Do they no count? For me, he is not a deep-lying midfielder, which is where Hecky tried to play him. I think putting him in a midfield three to link between Gogic and Allen, I think he would thrive. And it's just another option. But I don't see it. I think he'll be on the bench because he's hardly played. So I would hope to see Newell coming in because I just I just don't see Halberg cutting it. I think what it does say is we probably need a central midfielder. I think we need a central midfielder and a centre-back coming in. don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, certainly going back to the weekend, I think that... Um, Mistakes have been made, as I said last on, on last week's podcast. I think Jack Ross will learn from his mistakes. I think if we have Gogic 
Um, where they should be just in front of the back four, uh, back three. So then I think we'll we'll see it pay off a lot more. In terms of Malin, um, Malin was crucified by a lot of Hibs support last season for purely just for where he played. It was out of position for him. It was not natural for him. He's much more of a in middle of the three. So I think it maybe is a bit too early for him. So I would go uh, with Gogic, Allen, and Newell. Um, but certainly, I think Malin is a player that can come into that. And, and I think, as you say, he will definitely thrive in that position. Yeah, I think he came off the bench a few times um, just before they got injured. I think St Mirren away came on, played well. He came on at Tynecastle on Boxing Day, done all right. And then I think he got injured right after that. I don't think he's featured um, in 2020. And I think he is a player that Jack Ross likes. I have a feeling that he wants to play him in the 10, which so obviously he's fighting with Scott Allen for that position. But he is definitely an option in an area of the park where they have good players, but I do think we need an extra body in there. Um, but I'd, I think there maybe has been a little bit of an overreaction to completely losing the midfield at the weekend. But I, per, I personally think anyone in the league is going to struggle up against that midfield in Motherwell, especially if you're outnumbered. So... I don't necessarily think it's fair to put the blame on the players for that. I do I do think Jack Cross got that wrong. And then even when he changed it, I think he got it wrong. But hopefully we kick on and get three points at the weekend. What would we go for score prediction? Um, well, as, as you pointed out when you were, um, when you were talking to Greg earlier, um, we tend to have a weird thing where we play really well away to St. Johnston. They play really well away to Easter Road. I don't know if there's anything to do with the fans to do that. We touched that a bit um, on that a bit last week, but yeah, obviously every game at the moment is kind of different when it's behind. It's essentially behind closed doors, but I like our chances. Um, St Johnston, I, like they've got a new manager, Tommy Wright. If we're playing against him, I always get a bit scared because he's very dinosaur football. He gets his players fired up for the game. But if I was going for a prediction, I would go two 0 Hibs. I don't think they'll score. Okay, and Greg. Um, yeah, seem to have a, quite a bit of joy at Perth, certainly, uh, recently. Um, I would like to see us go and take the game to them, to be honest. You know, they, uh, as Greg said, they do, have, they do have injuries, possibly lacking in certain areas. So, yeah, I'd like to see us go there and possibly 3-0 tabs. 3-0. Right, I'm going to not be too out there. It'll be interesting to see how St Johnson do on Thursday night against Aberdeen. I do think that'll have a bearing on the game in the nicest way possible. Hopefully Ali McCann gets a wee injury or something so he's no playing. <laughs> Wouldn't they mind if we knocked to Jason Kerr and all? Um, I'm going to go... Now, Greg said that I think in the last eight games both teams have scored. But Hibs are solid at the back. I'm going to go 3-1 Hibs, but St. Johnson are going to score a penalty. Hibs are going to give away a penalty this week. Um because we're just so solid at the back, so the ref, the ref's going to screw us. It'll be a dodgy handball or something because we're we're not conceding goals for open play this season. Three one Hibs, and I'm even going to go as far out to say that Doidge will continue scoring form at McDermott Park. He will grab two, and Stevie Mallon's coming off the bench to score an absolute rocket to seal the game. That's that's my predictions. All aboard the Stevie Mallon fan club. Our Twitter followers have spoken. The high B of the season so far, up to the Motherwell game. Harry, would you like to announce the winner? Papa Gogic, yay! Get in there! So, Motherwell game. Who are we going for, Harry? What, 
you can't go for, so can he go for Papa Gogic? We're going to try our best not to repeat the same people unless there's an obvious candidate. So no Papa Gogic. Who are you going for this week? Right. You did an interesting thing last week, but he picked someone completely out the ballpark. And as I said, there wasn't too many shining heroes. We had a few defenders playing all right. I thought Gogic's done all right again, but no quite enough to warrant it. But the person I'm going to go for is a person off Twitter, is a certain Ryan Gallagher, whose tweet, I think, made the entire fan base laugh. They want to thank you, O'Donnell, when O'Donnell went to pick the ball up. And it looked like he was getting a bit inappropriate with the cardboard cutout of Ryan Gallagher. I was howling at that, so he gets my high B of the week for that. I thought that was cracking. And Greg, how about yourself? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to remain within the Hibs squad. Um, I'm going to go for a man that I slated quite rightly last season. Uh, I'm going to go for Paul Hanlon. That's, that's an interesting choice. Now, I wish that the listeners, I wish we'd started this last season because they have to understand how much of a comeback this is for you. Paul Hanlon was never to step field on a football pitch again. Never mind playing for <laughs> just to retire on the spot after every, every game last season. So, what's impressed you so much about Paul Hanlon? Um, last season, he was not physical at all. He'd get bullied off pretty much everyone. And really, he looked lost most of the time. I think this season he looks totally different. He looks more committed. He looks a bit stronger, and he does look a lot more commanding than he has done. Um, so for me, ten out of ten to Paul Hanlon. Impressive. I'm going to go for Ophir Marciano. I don't think he had too much to do, but like we touched on earlier. The one thing he had to do early doors, he'd done it and he'd done it well. There was no pamming it out into the box and he got around the post and we dealt with it from there. A solid save and that's what you want for your goalkeeper. How many times have we seen it in the past where we've dominated teams, they've had one chance and bang, three points to them. So Marciano, I think, calmed everyone down fairly early on there with that save as well. Motherwell didn't really create anything after that, so I'm going to go for Rocky as a my high beer of the week. Fire that out on the Twitter poll. We'll see who takes the mantle off of Alex Gogic, and then hopefully it'll be, or maybe a lot harder for better reasons to pick high beer of the week next week. This week's episode of Hibs Today is from August 17th, 2003. Gary O'Connor scored in the last minute for Hibs to win 1-0 over Heart of Midlothian. So that day, Hibs lined up. Anderson and Goals, Alan Orman, Cole Doombe, Gary Smith, Yannick Zambernadi, Tam McManus right mid, Grant Brebner and Vies in the middle of the park, Ian Murray left midfield and up front with Scott Brown and Derek Riordan. On the bench, Stephen Dobie, Stephen Glass, Gary O'Connor, Stephen Whitaker and our backup goalkeeper, Highguard. Greg, you're probably best served to talk about this. You're the oldest of the three years. What are your memories of that game? Well, that was my birthday, so that was some present. Um, that just sounds like such a Bobby Williamson team. Everyone is just scattered about the place. Um, to be honest, I remember that Graham Brenda was sent off in the... But, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you could just tell for, for them that Gary O'Connor was a big, powerful striker and you know, we, had, we had good players in that team like Brown... Whitaker, you know, you had Stephen Dobie as well and Gary O'Connor, you know, I don't one for a few matches after that, but certainly, you know, I would, would take that every day of the week over that lot. 
Yeah, so second game of the season, we just won away to Dundee United the week before. And then in classic Hibs style, we went on a seven-game winless run after that. Um, and obviously finished um, bottom of six. Bobby Williamson smacked out with the famous line about being entertained, go to the cinema. And then came Tony Mowbray. Now, you sort of touched on it there. We had Scott Brown, Derek Radden, Stephen Whitaker coming to the team, Tam McManus, Ian Murray. Harry, if I was to push you, if you could have one of the players from that starting 11 or subs in the current Hibs team, who would you go for? Well... The obvious one, and just based off the way his career's panned out, would be Scott Brown, just because obviously he's moved to Celtic and he's been fantastic. But at the time, if I could have one of those players that would have played for Hibs from that moment until his retirement, when I was younger, I was in love with Derek Riordan. He was my absolute hero growing up. Obviously, now he runs a Hibs pub and that, still a good lad, but um, I know nah, he, because he was one of those players that <clears throat> obviously the old firm have had their ways of picking players from clubs in Scotland and then just wasting away on the bench. And he was the one that hurt the most for me because I thought he was fantastic. So to this day, I still wish that Derek Radden had just stayed at Hibs. would have been brilliant. So for me, the player that I would be taking out of that team would probably be Radden as well. But for a little bit of debate, I would take Gary O'Connor. He was an absolute powerhouse, a striker, had the world at his feet, just bullied defenders all the time. And to be fair to him, he went to Russia, done all right there, scored the winning goal in a cup final. Went to Birmingham, played Premier League, played Championship. So, obviously had all these off-the-field incidents. Um, good, I think there's a good ep- wee documentary on BBC this week, Tuesday night that was on. Um, so, you'd probably be able to get that on catch-up and it details some of his troubles and stuff off the park, I think. But for pure football and talent and even when he when he came back in his second spell obviously you could see he wasn't the player that he was the first spell but when he came back played a big part in us not getting relegated that season to be fair it was obviously just delaying the inevitable but for me Gary O'Connor when he was breaking through and in his first spell Hibs would walk into any team in Scotland right now so for me I'd take him him, Doidge, him and Nez, but whoever, but he would get in front of both the current guys, I would say. So, Greg, decide and vote. Gary O'Connor or Derek Radden. Or you can have another one, but I still want an answer between Radden and O'Connor, seeing as they were the sort of deadly strike partnership that every Hibs fan grew to love. Local boys, Hibs fans, but player that you'd take for that team and then the decide and vote between Radden and O'Connor, and if your option is an alternative player. Yeah, um, I had a couple of favourite players for, for that, that team. Um, Tam McManus was, was a personal favourite. Um, not even for football and ability, I just, just liked him. I just thought that he was a bit of a character, so I would say Tam McManus. In terms of O'Connor versus Riordan, it would have to be Riordan for me. You know, left foot, right foot, everything. Had it all, three kicks. Corners, penalties, just the ability on him was was unbelievable. And he obviously went to Celtic and, and he trailed off, didn't really get a game for one reason or another. But for me, when he came back to Ibsy, he maybe wasn't as good, didn't, maybe didn't reach the heights again, but certainly with that first spell at Hibs, he was unbelievable. Where, where do you see him in this Hibs team? Striker, um, always a debate. I mean, to be honest, he could play anywhere in those two positions. Um, another great option to have where 
it could be out front or, or out wide. I mean, coming out, out wide, he would cut inside and wrap the right boot right round the ball and nine times out of ten it would end up in the back of the net like the goal against Hearts where he cut inside and, and he beat Craig Gordon but I think possibly out front him and this bit. So boys, finally, last week it seemed like Ross McCrory was going to be a Hibs player. He's ended up at Aberdeen. Other than that, Ennis Murray potentially going out on loan to Alloa. I've seen a local paper up there suggesting today. So what do you make of the McCrory deal first and the fact that he's not ended up a Hibs player? I think, being honest, the only winner in that transfer is Rangers. Because um, they came to Hibs and they were like, uh, supposedly... Um, from what you, the message you showed me, apparently they wanted some sort of gentleman's agreement that he wouldn't face against Rangers this season, even though it was a permanent move. So obviously, Hibs were like, stuff that. If he's our player, he's playing against whoever we want him to play against. But um, there is rumours at Aberdeen that they are completely dismantling their squad because they've not taken very well to the fines that they've been sanctioned with. And then that's the only situation in which McCrory makes sense to them because with Hibs, you've got the likes of John McGinn and Martin Boyle potentially after this season moving down south and becoming bigger and better players. When you get players from Aberdeen that move down south, like Fraser Fivey, for example, really young, played at Aberdeen as like 16, 17-year-old, brilliant, moved to Cardiff, career fell away, ended up at Hibs, now he's at Cove Rangers. So coming to Hibs would surely make more sense for him. As a young player, you think you're playing nice, attractive football, trying to get the ball on the deck and move it around. But if you go to Aberdeen, you're just hoofing the ball up the pitch the whole time. You don't really develop as a player as much as you could if you move to another club. So yeah, um, the money's probably better from there, so I can see it from that perspective as well. But for me, I just I'm frustrated to say the least. Yeah, I think obviously quite a few different people that I've spoke to um, have sort of said about the agreement. I see it's been on dot net and stuff, and and there's, I think even one journalist maybe mentioned it as well on Twitter, and a few different people that I've that have mentioned that I've said about Gerard not wanting. McCrory to play against them and obviously Rangers are under a lot of pressure this season but as far as I'm concerned and even speaking from Rangers fans that um, that we're friendly with even they're like if, if you pay the money for the player and he's your player then you can pretty much do what you want with him I find the fact that Gerard said last week that Doherty and McCrory wouldn't be going out on loan and then all of a sudden Ross McCrory signed on loan initially for Aberdeen Maybe it does put some credibility in that. Now that couldn't that might not be the case. Hibs might have lost out for dallying about or not offering enough wages, whatever. But I'm disappointed that McCrory's not a Hibs player. But I don't think he's the be all and end all. He was a player that I thought fitted what we wanted in terms of flexibility. Because he can play he can play centre mid, centre half, right back. And he is a good player, there's no dispute in that. We're not gonna go back on what we said last week. He was a signing that made sense. I think we touched on last week there would be a ceiling at what Hibs would, would be willing to go to. And I think we, we obviously have the money there if the player's right. And at the end of the day, he's an Aberdeen player and we move on from that. Where we go now, who knows? Hibs are notorious for keeping their business pretty much in-house. I think Jack Ross and Ron Gordon did maybe speak a little bit too much about Ross McCrory than probably what they wanted to. But it was on the Rangers side that that came out. They mentioned Hibs' name directly, not just talking about bids and stuff. They referenced Hibs. I don't think Hibs have egg on their face in terms of what we said. Ron Gordon said that Ross wanted to come to, to Hibs and play football. That was pretty much what he said on Hibs TV and said that that's a necessity for a player to come and sign for us. I'm sure McCrory probably did want to come and play for Hibs, but 
I'm assuming he's a Rangers fan. He's been there since he was a kid. So Hibs or Aberdeen to him, there's no real toss-up. I'd imagine the main thing for him was staying in Scotland. We're two clubs of equal size. Aberdeen do have a bit more money than us because of their investors and stuff. And also the fact that they... So when was the last time we finished above Aberdeen in the league? Like, it's the harsh reality. It's why we lose out on... Sorry, why we sign players for Hamilton. Now, yeah, we have bigger crowds in Aberdeen, but it's going to take time for us to properly get up with them on a financial level. And they do also have the investors, similar to what Hearts have, which unfortunately we don't. And you are going to lose players now and again, but the players we've lost out to recently at Aberdeen, none of them have really set the header. Like the two most recent ones, or the fact they've even needed to sign Ross McCrory. The other two we've lost out on are holding midfielders as well. So I think that tells you just how successful Odrio and McGeoch have been up there. Now, don't get me wrong, if I've signed Dylan McGeoch tomorrow, I will be losing my absolute shit. So don't want to do him a disservice, but it's definitely not working for him at Aberdeen. So we'll see how the McCrory one goes, but I'm no quaking in my boots at the 40 I'm lining up against us in two weeks' time either. So it's disappointing, but I'm sure we'll move on and bring in another player. Hopefully we see a centre-back come in as well. What about yourself, Greg? Yeah, I think I spoke last week about the kind of player I thought he was. I've always liked him. always thought he was a good player. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that, you know, I don't think he's a good player anymore because he's not come to Hibs. But, yeah, I think that it was a, a move that made sense for him to come to Hibs. He's gone Aberdeen. That's fair enough. That's his decision. Rangers', Rangers decision as well. So we need to move on. I don't think Hibs will only have had him on the list. You know, I think we've probably got a few that we're looking at ticking ticking names off the list, really. But, yeah, he's an Aberdeen player. I'm not going to go into it too much. He's chosen name. Rangers have decided that you know their deal was the best deal. Do you think it's really strange that they had a gentleman's agreement uh, for him not, not to play against them? I don't know where they're coming from in that, if he's our player, then... Again, we should be able to do what we want with them. I don't, I don't think there's much more that needs to be said, Harry. But on the bright side, last year we missed out on Ojo and we managed to get the coup that was Josh Vela. So, <laughs> if anything similar to that, we will be buzzing. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, actually, no, I was saying earlier about the yellow cards. Josh Vela played nine games for us and got four bookings. How is that possible? And I'll tell you another thing, Martin Boyle got five bookings last season. He only played 20 times, and half of them were off the bench when he was recovering. And while we're on the subject to Martin Boyle, Ron Gordon and Jack Ross have both been semi-vocal about the chat and the chance of Martin Boyle signing a new contract. For me, I don't think they'd come out in the media and say that Boyle has a chance, or I don't think they'd talk about it and then there'd not be any chance at all. Now, maybe they could be just trying to appease the fans. And so if he does leave, that we think, oh, well, he's turned in the contract or whatever. But the fact they're talking about it makes me think that Boyle might just sign a new contract. Just how important do you think that is for Hibs that we keep on this season and potentially further? I think it would be massive. You know, you see the contribution that, that he brings to the team. I think that it would almost be like a new signing, I think. I think a lot of people are resigned to losing them at the end of the season. If you get one another deal, you know, looking at it this way, it's possibly income into the club. Um, if someone big comes in and, and, you know, looks to buy them. I do hope it doesn't go the same way as the McGeoch deal. Um, when we offered him a contract, I think there was maybe a lot of hype about that. Hibs were quite confident 
didn't work out. But I do think that, you know, Martin Boyle seems a bit more settled at Hibs. Um, so, you know, hopefully he does get that new contract over the line and, and he stays at Hibs for another two, three years. The thing I love about Martin Boyle is his character that he brings to the dressing room as well as on the pitch. And I think that when we had our Scottish Cup winning side, the, the characters we had in that team were so brilliant. They had like John McGinn, Jason Cummings, Martin Boyle. They were all just like these crazy hyper Scottish boys that just loved playing for Hibs and loved getting the fans on side and that. And if you met them in the street or out and about, they'd love to come up to you and chat away to you and stuff. And Martin Boyle, for me, has been the biggest advocate of that since he's been at the club. Um, I've been lucky enough to bump into him, I think, two or three times um, whilst just on night out, so just walking down the street of that. And he is just the most hyperactive and loveliest guy. And anybody that does a tour of the like training ground and that, I'll tell you, oh, he's just so hyper, but he's so lovely. He was chatting away to me and my mum or chatting away to um, whoever and stuff. He's just brilliant. And obviously on the pitch, first game of the season, brilliant. I think he's kind of dipped in form a bit. I don't know if the speculation's kind of playing on his mind. Um, obviously had that sitter that he missed at the weekend, but... When he's on form, he's by far our best player at the moment, I think it's fair to say. So if we can get him, I think he, the thing I said about John McGinn is I don't think McGinn would have left Hibs unless we were getting money. So I think if we hadn't sold him by the summer, I think he would have signed another year just to get Hibs that money. And I think Boyle's the same. So I think if he's not gone by August, I think he'll sign another like year or six month extension just to make sure we get at least a million, a couple million for him. Yeah, I, th- I think the interesting one with Boyle is now, obviously, we'll hope he signs a new contract. And I'd imagine if he signs a new contract, there'll probably be a release clause in there, similar to maybe what Jason Cummins had. Obviously, I think that was reported to be pretty low at the time, so hopefully the release clause would be a bit higher than that. But for me, the transfer window's obviously open until start of October, so I think it's about 10 games into the season. And so, one, you're going to get a quarter of the season out of him, potentially. And for me... I just don't want him to go this window. Even if he doesn't sign a new contract, I think would it be good? Almost a la McGeoch. I know it's certainly not what you say, Greg, but I think everyone, I think the club had accepted a couple of months before the season finished that McGeoch was going to leave. And I think we're going to get more value to Martin Boyle and the team this season than what we would for a fee that we would get just now with the contract running down. I don't think anyone would pay over a million for him. And when you look at the fact you've got Effectively, four competitions that you're running in. You've got a semi-final against Hearts, which is more than winnable, and Martin Boyle would play a massive part in that. So you've got the revenue that could potentially come from that. Obviously, maybe no fans, but the money involved in getting to a cup final. You've then got the League Cup again, Scottish Cup again after that, and the league where right now, after the start of the season we've had, we're favourites for third place. I think having Martin Boyle in your team for all four of the things is probably going to bring more value to the club than selling them for a million pound, personally. I mean, I know it's probably quite hard to quantify that, but for me, I would rather see Martin Boyle stay at Hibs this season as, well, win a cup or win a cup, finish third, whatever, and then the money that that brings as well. If we qualify for Europe, you're talking on maybe another couple of hundred grand as well. Like, it might, you know, let's say you probably can't quantify it and directly say that Martin Boyle's done that, but for me, Hibs are a better team, Martin Boyle in the team. Therefore, we have a better chance of finishing the European places, winning trophies, and then saying thanks very much for your six, seven years. Because what, he signed in 2014, January. So, yeah, six years when he left, if he leaves in the summer. So, for me, I think that suits everyone. It might suit Martin Boyle as well. If he leaves on a free transfer, signing on fees and stuff like that, he can probably demand more from, from clubs. 
but what gives me a little bit of hope is obviously his, his wife plays for um, for Hibs Ladies. He seems to love it at the club. He's obviously from Aberdeen as well, so I moved down south, going to put him even further away from his family. I'm quietly confident that this deal might might happen. Um, yeah, I'm quietly confident that we might see Martin Boyle sign maybe a two-year extension. And if he does, there'll be a podcast just dedicated to Martin Boyle. So, um, not being quietly confident because you're quietly confident we were going to sign Ross McCurry last week. I'm not going to stop talking. But, um, <laughs> but hopefully next week, three points for the High Bs, back top of the league. Not sure who Rangers have. So whoever it is, come on the away team. Three points for Hibs on Sunday. Thank you very much. And we will see you next week, lads. Take care.